It's been a very unusual week in my life in ministry. Um, and uh, it's probably not a surprise, should not be a surprise to me that this week the Lord um, came along and frequently blew up my plans. I've been reflecting a lot over the last several months on um, John 12, where Jesus says, I tell you the truth, unless a seed falls into the ground, it remains alone. But if it dies, it will produce much. It will produce many. And then then he goes on and he says these words, um, for where I am, there will my servant also be. So for the last several weeks, um, the prayer of my heart has been and the alertness that I've tried to bring to my life is, Jesus, where are you now so that I can be with you where you are? On Friday, that took me back to Kettle River to do the funeral of a 48-year-old woman who I had known for 25 years, more than that, uh, yeah, at least 25 years, since the time we served up in Kettle River. She'd experienced a long illness and passed away, and I'd walked with the family through some very difficult decisions and difficult times in the last month, and um, had the privilege and honor of sharing with them as a family, and many of whom particularly on her husband's side, who are not believers. And um, I remember an old saint from up there in Kettle River telling me once, she said, I can go to funerals and tell you who are Christians and who are not. And the issue is the issue of hope. Paul says in Ephesians 2, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. It's that but now that arrests our attention today. All of us, once excluded from citizenship in Israel, foreigners to the covenant of the promise, without hope and without God. But now. Yesterday I had the privilege of spending several hours with many of our new Nepalese, Bhutanese friends who have recently come. One of the families that we were with has been here now eight days. Many of you received the email over the last two weeks. Twelve of these new ones have come to receive Christ. Coming from Hindu and Buddhist backgrounds, without hope and without God. So we began a Bible study with them yesterday. 
In John 1, in the beginning, God. We just began to talk about Jesus. Many of you received the prayer request about one of those ladies, Bimla, who lives upstairs from Kishore, who is a pastor and here and has been... So when you see them leave, it's not because they're, they're leaving to go and to... Um, to meet in their language and to learn and grow. And this woman lives upstairs from, from Kishore and his family and her, and her her husband's here today. And I think I saw a couple of her children as well. She has a very serious, possibly terminal illness. A week ago Sunday, she accepted Christ and she's trusting Jesus for healing. And so we're going to trust with her for healing. As you see, Hebrews tells us, because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of His purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised. He confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. and He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. We have a hope that stands firm, that is anchored behind the veil. And this morning, if you are in a place of hopelessness or distress or despair, I believe what the Lord wants to do today is wash you by the water of His Word and encourage you in hope. We have many who have been experiencing various kinds of trials and afflictions and needs. There are many opportunities for us as a congregation to come around and to come alongside. You receive the flow of blessing. If you're on the flow of blessing, you receive the need for Ron and Nancy Spica. Ron's here this morning. Nancy continues to suffer in significant pain and affliction, and they need some help. Opportunity for us as a community to come alongside. We have many new friends who've come from the Congo. One of our life groups has taken and been sharing and encouraging and helping them. We have much need with our new friends We're only limited, it seems, right now by how many vehicles we can have and send out to bring them in because they're desperately wanting to come. Would you be willing to give of your time and of your vehicle on a Saturday morning, on a Sunday morning to help, to encourage, to bring hope to the hopeless? Psychologist William Marston asked 3,000 people, what do you have to live for? He was shocked when he discovered that 94% were simply enduring the present while they waited for an unclear, indeterminate future. 94% were simply enduring the present. What is hope? Hope is to cherish a desire with expectation of fulfillment. 
Some of you have perhaps forgotten that the word that prophetically, the kind of the one of the banner words hanging over this house right now, alongside of the theme message for this year, the word of restoration, is the word expect. Expect. What are you expecting? What are you hoping for? Someone in very colloquial terms has said that hope is when a 70-year-old man marries a 25-year-old woman, moves into a five-bedroom house across the street from a grade school. (laughs) The hope that we're talking about this morning is far more substantial and serious than that. Here's what happened to me this week. I was planning on preaching a different message and you'll probably get that next week. You know, by God's grace, whatever. Actually, next Sunday, Pastor Sam and I in Minneapolis and here will begin together a series of messages, four-week series on restoring our calling. And it's our calling. It's going to be primarily our congregational calling, but it will have significant connection for you individually as well. But here's what happened. I was beginning study in that and just in my own personal devotional reading, um, have begun reading in the book of Acts and I was reading in Acts chapter 1, very familiar scriptures, uh, starting in verse 4. On one occasion, while Jesus was sitting with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. There's that calling. There's that sending. There's that compelling that's happening. But here's where I got stopped as we got to verse 9 as I got to verse 9 and 10 and 11 it says after he said this he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid them from their sight and they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men in dressed in white stood beside them men of Galilee they said why do you stand here looking into the sky this same Jesus And here's where I just lost it. This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back. In the same way you have seen Him go into heaven, this same Jesus will come back. long the Lord's been just I think it started when I was with Borgie and her friends Pastor Ben and I went and did a service for there on, on Monday and the 
senior citizen housing where Borgie lives. And I don't know. I just God's just so. I'm going to try to get this out. So bear with me. Liz will tell you when I handed her the PowerPoint Wednesday afternoon when I could hardly hand it to her to speak. I was just weeping. This same Jesus who's been taken away from you into heaven will come back. One out of every 25 verses in the New Testament talks about the second coming of Christ. The disciples, the early church, was compelled by this hope. It was that hope which compelled them into their calling. So I want to wash you with the water of the Word and His hope today. As we talk about the second coming of Christ, all these Scriptures, many of them will be very familiar. But let them wash your soul today. Here's the promise that we have been given by the Lord. Shared this Scripture on Friday. In the reading of the Scripture, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in Me. In My Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Are we so familiar with this Scripture that it doesn't, the weight of it doesn't any longer just press on our soul? I'm going to prepare a place for you. This is not the end. Where you live is a temporary tent. This is a temporary tent. There is a building in heaven being prepared for you and for me. And while we are here, we have the encouragement that our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body. Every single one of us, no matter how young or old or how weak or strong we are, fullness of, of reality, we have lowly bodies. But this is not the end. We will be transformed. So that we will be like His glorious body. Come on. I heard you shouting a little while ago. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Come on. Hallelujah. (laughs) 
And there's a plan. Oh yes, there is a plan. At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. And all the nations of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with great power and glory. And when these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Stand up and lift up your head. We are bowed down, understandably, by so many griefs and sorrows and pain and hurt and difficulties and challenges and stresses. that you've been hearing it prophetically today through Chris and through the worship and through the prayers that have been prayed and through the responses that have been given, the Word of the Lord to you and to me and to this house and to us this morning is to stand up and lift up your head because your redemption is drawing near. confession to make to you. The first Lord first told me to speak on this today. I resisted and I'll tell you why. It wasn't because I didn't know I was hearing from Him. It was because I was like, but God, I don't live in this reality. I don't live in that place of expectancy. I'm not living there. And I didn't want to come this morning and share with you all out of my head. I could talk to you about doctrine and all the good theological stuff. And hey, this is important and theology and doctrine are important. Don't get me wrong. But if it's truth without spirit, it's just dead orthodoxy. So I said, Lord, you're going to have to do something in my heart. Ooh, dangerous prayer. Because you know what? That's when he said, okay. And he puts the plow in and he begins to dig deep. I want you touched by my emotion today. But I do want you touched by the truth and spirit of the Word of God. And if this isn't touching you yet, 
could you ask the Lord to touch you right now? Jesus, touch us with the truth of this promise and of this plan. Because there's a purpose involved in this. And it is a glorious purpose, people. Oh, it's a glorious purpose. He is coming again that we might be with Him forever. Oh, brothers, and I'm quite sure that Paul was talking to sisters as well. We do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in Him. According to the Lord's own Word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Chris, Laura, Mary Lynn, we're going to be with Him forever. Forever. Tom, Kathy, Norm, we're going to be with Him forever. Peggy, we're going to be with Him forever. Rich and Julie, we're going to be with Him forever. Forever. Encourage one another. He's going to complete our salvation. He's going to complete it. Yes. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people and He will appear a second time not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for Him. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while... You may have to suffer griefs of all kinds. And all kinds of trials for a little while. The young woman whose funeral I did on on, on Friday had suffered for ten years with a horribly debilitating illness that had had her in and out of the hospital. She suffered greatly and she'd been a nurse and she'd 
poured out compassion on so many people and she was so broken. But even in her brokenness, she continued to forge ahead and there was testimonies of the lives that she had touched. Now sharing out of 2 Corinthians 4. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that outweighs them all. When you're in the midst of ten years of pain and suffering, it does not feel light or momentary. And that's the reality of where we live in our natural bodies here. But achieving for us a glory that outweighs them all. Andrew used that picture of a feather versus, you know, tons of weight in the you know, and so Paul says in Second Corinthians for so we fix our eyes. Not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, because what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, back to First Peter, which perishes, even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And even though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. In the midst of your trials and sufferings, in the midst of your difficulties and pain, you are filled with an incomprehensible to human understanding joy. You can't work that up. You can't manufacture that. You can't just put on a happy face. You are not filled with an inexpressible happiness. You are filled with an inexpressible joy. That's much deeper. Ha! <laughs> you destroyed that. Here's why the second coming and the hope we have in Him matters. Because He comes to destroy death. Listen, people, I'm going to tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. But we will all be changed in a flash in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. And we shall be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. And when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? For the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah! Oh my! Anybody starting to feel like shouting? I'm feeling like shouting. <laughs> that is not the end of the story. It's swallowed up, destroyed. The last foe taken captive. (sighs) 
He's going to bring everything into light. And set things right. Second Thessalonians 1. Love this. All this evidence is that God's judgment is right. Simple definition of God's judgment. Bringing things into proper order. And as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to those who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with His powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of His power on the day He comes to be glorified in His holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed. This includes you because you believed our testimony to you. With this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may count you worthy of His calling and that by His power He may fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith. Anybody ever said, it's so unfair? Well, hello. Yeah? Welcome to the world of being a human being. But guess what? God is fair and will bring His truth and justice to bear upon all things. So we don't have to fret about it. We pray for mercy that those people will become His people. So together and bring into light all things. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait till the Lord comes. He'll bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of men's heart. At that time, each will receive his praise from God. Lord, nobody recognizes all the things that I have done for you. Well, there's an audience of one who really counts. All you really need to hear clapping is God saying, well done, good and faithful servant. One more of the purpose. Love this. (laughs) To consummate the rule and reign of Jesus Christ. In my vision, Daniel says, I looked and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into His presence and He was given authority, glory, sovereign power, all peoples, nations, men of every language worshipped Him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away and His kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. And the seven angels sounded His trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven which said, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ and He will reign forever and ever. Hallelujah! We need to say that together, that last line, He will reign forever and... Well, let's say, let's say that whole parenthetical statement starting with the kingdom of the world. Let's say it together. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ, 
and He will reign forever and ever. Hallelujah! <laughs> All right. So, we have the promise and we've got the plan. We understand the purpose and God in His mercy anoints with alliteration here. So, there is a practical application. So what does this all mean for you and for me? How can to listen to his teach his disciples before he died? In the mouth of the temple, tell these things about to be in here. Numbers of Olympians happen. Nation will kingdom places. Earth pain. Application. You must be on your guard. You'll be handed over to local councils and flogged in the synagogues. Here's some good promises to hang on to. On account of me, you're going to stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. And whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, don't worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given you at the time. For it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. And brother will betray brother to death. And a father, his child, and children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. And all men will hate you because of me. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. So be on your guard, stand firm, and get busy. Be on your guard, stand firm, and get busy. I didn't imagine some stop if he's thrilling to verse. He tells change there. Move to the his cell to work again and again and read. Jesus or has he glory the unless to the grains only as it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it. And the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Verse 26, John 12. Here is our job description. Whoever serves me must also follow me. And where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Where is Jesus? This week, I've just been trying to pay attention to where Jesus is. Sometimes, Jesus has been sharing with a bunch of new believers. Jesus has also been with my son at his baseball game. Jesus was up at Echo Ridge with some wonderful older saints who never failed to encourage me. Jesus was in our home this week a lot with a whole series of friends from around the world, the Watsons and the Hershey's and the Rasmussen's and the Wilson's. Where's Jesus been this week? Give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. That's what I got. That's what the Lord gave me to bring to you today.
as I heard him as clearly as I know how to hear him, that his heart was to wash us with the water of his word, specifically about hope. Because that hope becomes a compelling force in our life. Why? Men of Galilee, why are you standing here looking up? I'd be standing there looking up if Jesus, you know, the ascension of Jesus, you know, jaw open. I'd be looking up. Why are you looking up this same Jesus? We'll come back. So therefore, get your good selves, as Dale always says when he's trying not to say something else. Get your good selves up to that upper room and wait for the Spirit to be poured out because then I'm sending you out.